Hello, welcome to Tangents Podcast. Uh, this is my latest episode that I've recorded. I'm just doing my intro here now in the garden and hoping the crows don't interrupt. And um, this episode is a chat with Emma Langford, who's a folk musician from Limerick. Although we do discuss whether folk is the right way to describe her. Um, so yeah, I had a lovely chat with Emma. She talked about um, touring and like international touring, and uh, starting off how she got going, and like a recent project she was involved in. Um, so my son's completely ignoring the fact that I'm talking here into a phone, and um, she uh, Emma also does a brilliant summary of. Uh, perfect day in Limerick if you were visiting the things you should do it's um, really impressive because she just did it off the cuff and she um, also spoke with me about getting uh, she had gotten an adult autism diagnosis and um, she goes through that uh, the, the, way, the ways it came about that she went to get assessed and uh, how it's done um, which is something which was of interest to myself and uh, mainly the majority of the episode is dogs talk, talking about dogs so yeah start, middle, end just, just a constant stream of chatting about dogs so um, yeah it was great, it was great fun and uh, enjoy the episode and I'll be back soon. Okay, bye. All right. Hi, Emma. How are you? Hi, Philip. I'm good. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk to you about is that which you're most well known for, and that's your um, Instagram page, Dogs of Limerick. Yes, that is. That is my claim to fame, primarily. Yeah. So how, how, how did that come about? When, when did you start it? Um, oh, when did I start it? I think it might have been 2018, 2019, thereabouts. I'd have to go back now and have a look. But uh, it started because I kept seeing really good dogs around campus. And I would, you know, habitually take photos of them and post them to Twitter or post them on my own Instagram on my story. And I was like, you know what? It feels wrong to not uh, preserve this memory somehow and share this joy with the world in a more strategic and structured format so I decided to set up Dogs of Limerick and uh, it started off actually as Dogs of UL because I was nice. studying out there at the time and and then when I moved out of campus and into town uh, I was like you know what there are still good dogs that still they're, deserve they're even around the, they're even around the city too mm, exactly yeah. so um I yeah I just I just started Start and take pictures and started coming up little captions and stuff and just yeah it was just for me it was a really good excuse to come up to a stranger I'm not great at approaching people to talk to them generally I tend to kind of just keep to myself unless I've had a yeah. couple of drinks um so yeah it was a really valid excellent way to approach strangers and be like hi what's your dog's name can I please pet them and also can I take a photo of them and post it on the internet and they, people are always like yes please absolutely Oh my god! My has, has anyone ever objected? No, 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 not so far. Every now and then, I'll get um someone whose dog hates cameras, and that's <laughs> like a legit thing. Some dogs get like aggressive when you point a camera at them, so I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, no, that's fine, that's cool, I'll leave it. Uh, but generally speaking, I think that's one in a hundred kind of people that would be like, oh, they just they're really funny about photos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like okay, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it's also a great page, and I think it's a nice cleanse. Well, for myself anyway, like I follow a lot of kind of anti-capitalist things and everything, and sure. it, it's nice from uh, to take a break from doom scrolling to uh, look at some animals and some lovely dogs, yeah. especially yeah. to know they're and to know they're around Limerick as well that I could actually meet these guys someday. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, I'm actually heading out to an animal rescue on Sunday for the day for a fundraiser thing. And I'm going to try and capture some cute photos of the dogs out there and maybe try and get some dogs homed through the account. So, oh, so that'll be nice. Lovely. 
And your your own dog, Willow, bit of a superstar herself. She is, yeah. People keep seeing there's a billboard of her in Limerick. Um, like a crescent. Yeah, if, if you've passed by, there's it's up kind of a little bit more toward the hospital, I think. But there's a there's a billboard there. Oh, the proper billboard, like? Like a big picture. Big of one? Okay. Yeah. So I just know the one that's like the, the sign on the road, if you come off the yeah. way towards the crescent. Yes. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's the, maybe that's the only one there is. I don't know. I just I keep I kept getting messages from people being like, "Oh my god, I saw a big billboard of your dog when I was driving through Reen." <laughs> yeah, what? Um, which is pretty cool. Uh, she is. Yeah, she's a bit of a model. Um, I don't think she has any idea how beautiful she is. You know, one of yeah. those girls. She is gorgeous. My my kids asked me like if I say I'm going to do a podcast this evening, so they always like, "Who is it? Who is it?" And I said, "Emma Langford." They were like, "Who's she?" And um, I said, Emma, like, she's a singer. Because they wanted, Henry has the tea, your shirt, remember? I got the merch. Yeah. And um, I said, you know what, the dog? Oh, the, yeah, the dog. Yeah. <laughs> way. Yeah. I'm the exact same with most humans. Like, I'll be like, oh, you know, you know Shane. You do. You know Shane. He's got the dog. I'm like, oh, of course. Yes, Bruno. Of course. Yeah. Shane. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you, like, you're, um, what was the song? Is it Free to Fall? Mm. Um, yeah. you made a really lovely video for that featuring a little dog, little pug, is it? Dog the pug, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's one of the best actors I've ever seen at work, really. He's truly stunning. He's got such range. Uh, so yeah, myself and Laura O'Shea, who's another uh, Limerick artist, um, worked together to make that during the pandemic and we raised funds for Dogs Trust with it and talked in the video about the relationship between a dog and their owner and how that can be disrupted by someone not understanding the importance of that relationship and how a dog is for life yeah um so yeah it was nice to get a chance to do that yeah it was a lovely video as well there's um i don't know now if you've ever trying to think of the band local natives they're like an american band they're kind of like fleet foxes or okay know? cool yeah. And, and they have, I'm almost sure it's called either You and Me or You and I, the song. And they had a video. Do you ever see Children of Men? Uh, no, no, I have not. I'm really bad for seeing movies. Movies, okay. So the concept of it is like there's no more children being born. Oh, and, wow, okay. you know, it's coming into like a dystopia. There'll be no more children born, no more. There's no more people getting pregnant. And, um, so the video is kind of similar concept in that there's no more dogs left. Oh, no. And yeah, and in the video, you see the last dog on earth in a hospital bed. And after the news breaks that it passed away, like you see people in pubs crying and everything. Um, but there's one guy in the background, you know, the way in detective movies, they have all the strings yeah. on the board. Like, and he's trying to figure it out. He's like determined saying, I know there has to be more dogs somewhere. Yeah. Um, I won't spoil the ending for you, but it's gorgeous. It, it's amazing, and it's a really beautiful song as well. Um, but it is a beautiful video. Just if anyone's looking for more dog videos, there's Emma, there's Emma's and that one. And um, you were saying there that you were down. You had been studying in UL, and I saw that you were down there today on the campus. I was, yeah, I was um, recording for an outside broadcast. What was the story there? You were in the rollcaster, is it? I was indeed, yeah. Uh, Louise Duffy took up the mantle of Ronan Collins' um, lunchtime show on RTE Radio 1 back in January. And today was her first ever outside broadcast with that oh. show. And she was she she was brilliant. She's great. She's doing a really lovely job of that show now and of curating it and kind of um, introducing the country and world to to new artists um the way same way Ronan Collins did so yeah uh the roadcaster was down with Ryan Tuberty and with Louise Duffy for the past two days and I think they're gone away home now but uh it was nice to see RT come down and spotlight Limerick and UL and artists from here and kind of yeah celebrated a bit that was really cool yeah so I was in I was in with her today just did a uh I was singing the winding way down to Kells Bay which is one of my songs um, because and that song was chosen because Kells Bay House and Gardens won at the Chelsea Flower Show for the second time running. They won the gold medal first prize. Um, Congratulations. So, yeah. Yeah. Very proud of them. It's a really gorgeous and really interesting place is Kells Bay House and Gardens. Like Billy Alexander that runs the place uh, has done something really interesting in this kind of hidden gem in the south of the country. Um, and it's really worth 
really worth visiting. There's a really nice restaurant in there as well, like a Thai restaurant. And then they have like a rope bridge and all this kind of mad stuff. But you can see some like real tropical exotic plants you would not expect to see in South Kerry. Yeah. Cool. Nice. And you have, do you have like a childhood connection to Kells Bay? Or... So my grand uncle lived there since the 1960s. Uh, Eamon would have been, I suppose, I mean, my dad and he would have gotten on very, very well always um so and then my mom came along and she loved him as well and they had a really really lovely bond um he was just very do you know the way some young couples there's certain relatives that are just super kind to them and lovely and loving and he yeah. was that person for them so uh yeah and then myself and my sisters were growing up and we'd always go visit Eamon or he'd come to visit us in Limerick or we'd all meet in Killarney or something but um yeah he so he died in 2018 and when he did i wanted to write something that kind of celebrated him and his life and his community and and all of that so the song was sort of written as a love letter to to that and to try and capture a bit of the not just the 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 appearance of the place or whatever but the feeling of the place you know that lovely feeling of coming home to somewhere that isn't home um and that kind of warm hug that a place like that can feel like so yeah when i released it the the fear was that uh locally it wouldn't be accepted because i'm not i'm not local mm. um and i haven't spent vast amounts of time there i've been there a few times but when we visited him in 2018 was it was the week that he died and so the place has kind of buried itself deep under my skin now in a way that not many places have outside of limerick yeah um so yeah, it's uh, it, it's been it's been accepted locally, and kids in the area, kids in the kind of wider Evora Peninsula and beyond, have been learning the song for different things. I've heard loads of different iterations of it from kids doing it for Scorn and Oak and for in schools, choirs doing it. There's a kid up in Derry that sang it at Scorn and Oak for the Ulster finals as well. Like, so That's it's uh, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool when a song takes on a life of its own and sort of people adopt it for themselves and make it something in their own lives and yeah. it's not about what it means to me anymore it's it's about what they hear in it and how they how they feel about it so that's really really special yeah no that is that's class and it is a beautiful song as well um when i posted yesterday um i done this really amazing pun where i said you were one of my fucking heroes uh, I enjoyed that. it was very good oh yeah i've been getting lots of feedback about it you know <laughs> Um, yeah, but would that be a fair description? Like, would you describe yourself as a folk artist? Or um, I think I write primarily in the folk genre, just by dint of singing in my own accent and tending toward open tunings and kind of this this stripped back, mostly acoustic sound of a lot of my stuff would kind of put it in in the folk bracket quite yeah. easily. But um, I don't know. I really don't know. I and I also hate like, and I do it myself. But I hate the 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 genre of singer songwriter because it's so vague and nothing. Like what I'm a singer songwriter. Adele's also a singer songwriter. Beyonce is technically a singer songwriter. Like you know, yeah. There's very little that kind of links us, um, aside from you know being women who sing and write songs. So uh, I don't know what I call myself to be honest. Uh, I've I've veered toward pop in the past. I've veered toward musical theatre and world music and kind of rockabilly Americana type sounds. I really, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. And I, it's, you know, it's it's nice to be put in that bracket because uh, certainly in Limerick, there's not a huge amount of folkies. Um, a lot of rappers. A lot of, a lot of rappers, which is really cool. We've got a brilliant and R&B scene um, and a brilliant hip hop scene and a rap scene uh, a growing very cool pop scene yeah um, but yeah there's not there's not a vast amount of uh, and then there's the kind of the jazzy sort of like Jane Fraser is just coming up now with yeah. her, her kind of original stuff and that sounds beautiful and that's real kind of jazz pop kind of stuff but yeah it's kind of you know it's cool to be able to sort of monopolize that market a little bit and be yeah. like someone's coming into Limerick and they want a folky <laughs> I got the gig um but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know what I am, um, yeah. and I, I may never know what I am. And I hope. I hope I don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so like when you let's say when you were younger, you would have been busking and things, yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, I didn't busk a huge pile because I've never had a very big voice. But yeah, you don't. You do have a big voice, huh? 
Um, for unplugged, kind of on the street for three, four hours. No, at a go. Well, see, I I lost my voice when I was twelve to vocal nodules, or I very nearly did. Um, and so my voice has been it's strong when it's warmed up and in the right environment. But if I push my luck on it, it can go like that, and then it's gone. So oh. busking has always been a bit of a. I'll I'll pop out for I. You know, I've, I've popped out and sat on Thomas Street where the acoustics are good and busked for a couple hours there. But uh, it's just it's just not really something I was ever particularly good at. So I didn't keep it up for very long. It's a okay. good way to kind of earn your stripes, though, and it's a good way to meet the public. But um, I had kind of developed quite a thick skin and met the public a fair bit before ever going into music professionally. So it yeah. wasn't something I needed for that. <laughs> And I suppose, yeah, I, I want to know then, like, when would you kind of realise you this is something you could do or this is something you wanted to have a go at? Um, so there was a few things that happened there. Um, there was the busking. That was definitely part of it. Um, I was mad into musical theatre and stuff as a kid. So, like, I wanted to be in that side of things. Losing my voice kind of broke my spirit a little bit. And I decided I would never be a, a professional singer really at the age of 12 I was like you know what that's it um so I was going to be a visual artist and I really focused on that in school um but I didn't get into art college and then I went away to uh work for a year after school and in that time uh I had applied to the BA voice and dance in UL and had auditioned and had done a good audition and got accepted but I deferred and I was like I'm never going to college I'm not doing it I don't want to I was going to move to New Zealand that was the plan um and uh and then in my year off there was a night where we were all having a big sing song me and my workmates in the job I was doing and I felt my voice kind of cracking a little bit and I was like oh god I've, I've done it I've broken it again and I got really I was really devastated by it and I didn't think I would be that upset by it and I remember having a big DMC with my kind of team leader in this job. And I was like, I, I, I want to be a musician and I'm, I'm after ruining my voice again. And he was like, if you want to do it, do it. Don't decide now you're giving up because you've hit this one little crack, like literally. Um, and, uh, and so there was that. And then I, um, I moved to Galway and I was working there for a while. And a friend of mine was part of a big uh, drama course called, um, it's called ISDA, I think it's called. It's like a, drama summer school that happens in UL and uh, she she invited me to come just gay crash for the week that they were there so I went and I hung out with all of them there were these big sing songs and everyone was hanging out and I was like I really miss UL like I love this campus I, I love the people here I love singing I love being here and learning and being around these new people all the time and so the dogs. I kind of had that life hmm? and the dogs of course the, the dogs, dogs. Um, but yeah I had a light bulb moment then of like I, I want to I want to go back to college I want to do yeah. this um, and then during my course, uh, I thought I was going to be an event manager. I thought I was going to go into sound engineering. I, I did not think I was going to be a touring professional artist. Um, but there was a point where really it happened the way a lot of things in my life happen. I made a lazy uh, kind of choice in a way. One of our projects at the end of the course was you had to do either a thesis or a vocational project and the vocational practical project was you had to record 15 minutes of sound <laughs> so I decided I, I had written two songs and I was like cool what I'm going to do is I'm going to get those two songs I'm going to put like a soundscape in between them and I'm going to record 15 minutes of sound and so I went into a studio in UL with a bunch of people that I happened to be friends with who are also musicians. And we recorded this EP and it sounded cool. Like it was really cool. It was like this mad stuff happening around it. And it really captured an energy and an ambiance and an atmosphere. So I, I think I released it and I started getting gigs from mm. that a little bit. In the meantime, I'd also started going to an open mic in town at a bar called the wicked chicken which has since closed yeah i had been playing outside lulu's cafe on catherine street just playing like covers like a big book of chords and lyrics in front of me and i would just sit there on my own playing and nobody ever came to the cafe the guy that owned the cafe was like okay you can have a job as a waitress 
if you sit outside and play songs and people start coming and then business builds up and then you have a job and I was like oh that sounds great and uh, not like exploitation at all so <laughs> I did that um, and while I was there this man walked by Dave Irwin who's a fantastic Limerick um, musician uh, he walked by and he heard me playing and he was like you know there's an open mic night on Up at the Wicked Chicken on Thursdays you should go up and check it out so I did I met like a really great community through that from there I got booked to be the musician in residence in the Scholars in UL um, and wound up working there and booking artists and playing gigs and uh, I also got booked for a few gigs in Cobblestone Joe's which is also closed I've got like the venue kiss of death I swear I'm, no, I'm noticing something here yeah yeah um so i would bring in my i wound up with this insane like collective of musicians you couldn't even call it a band it was a small orchestra um and we'd all pile onto the stage like as soon as we went on the stage there was no one in the audience that was the number of people i would wind yeah. up roping into the gigs um but it was great fun and i kind of learned how the industry works and how you manage a band and all of that and, and just how expensive and complicated it is when you're doing things right when mm. you are doing this industry right it is so expensive, so complicated, but you, you wind up treating people better and it becomes more sustainable that way, but it's a lot of work. So it was a kind of a snowball effect of all of those things um, that brought me to a point where I was like making business decisions and planning for another release and deciding if I want to do that. I mean, it's a constant process of deciding and reevaluating and thinking to yourself do I want to keep doing this because it's hard yeah. um and I've said yes every time so far yeah um, there may come a point where I'm like you know what no no I'd, I'd like to do something else now for a while but so far so good yeah I even recently like you were working on um wasn't it about the pirate queen mm. um what was what was that like that was amazing. Um, that was a really, really fascinating process because I was approached by Emer Noon, who is the um, musician behind the musical Zelda and Call of Duty, and she's incredible. So she's a she's from Galway originally. She's living in the states now in um, Los Angeles, and I'd been following her work for a while because she's this extraordinary woman who is breaking down barriers all the time and very few Irish people actually know about her or who she is yeah so yeah I, I just I find her really, you're, you're, really I'm after kind of going Jesus when you were saying that now mm. and that that industry as well like yeah well in, in the classical music industry as far as like as, as composers and conductors go she's she's quite unique in yeah. what she's doing and the name she's building for herself um, and that's total tenacity on her part and it's not really listening when people told her she couldn't do something from a young yeah. age so uh, I really respect that but so she um, reached out to me back in 2021 about doing this Gronia Whale project she said she's got a, like a burning desire to capture this woman's life and at the time I had just started into my own research project around women in Irish history and I was like this is some bizarre stars aligning stuff absolutely yeah. I want to be involved but um with the way the pandemic was and the impact it had on orchestras and on artists and on everyone, it, it became very, very difficult to pull that project together in any kind of time. So we, it, it, was, it wasn't until more or less two weeks before we performed it on the 8th of March this year that we had all the music completed. Yeah. Um, I wrote two original pieces. There was a third, I think, that we were <clears throat> considering workshopping. But um, those two pieces grew... <coughs> sorry <clears throat> those two pieces grew um very gradually over the course of the number of years i was trying to find Gronya's voice over that time and i found it really difficult i couldn't i couldn't connect with her yeah. um but i found myself changing and getting a better understanding of this incredible mythologized figure in irish history you know there's there are people driving scramblers around town i live in the city center for anyone wondering okay i was wondering what you kept turning around there for there's there's kids on scramblers going around outside it's very annoying um so yeah i it was a very gradual process for me of finding her voice and then finding how that translates into music and also deciding what way i wanted to interpret her um so i wound up with two pieces one was just called grania whale and it is a big epic like it demands an orchestra and a choir because um, Emer said 
you've got this at your fingertips. You've got you've got access to these things. Use them. So I did. So one piece is very folky and one piece is that big orchestral mad thing. And the big orchestral one became the show's kind of um, theme, I suppose. I incorporated um, Oroshi the Vahawalia into it because it references Grania Whale. And uh, yeah, sort of uh, it became uh, both songs are defiant non-apologies. They're both her saying to the world and to her parents and to the people that knew her, this is who I am, accept it or don't, I'm not changing. Mm. And uh, and it wasn't, it was never a thing, it seems for her, it was never a thing of um, accepting who she was. And her, she always accepted who she was. Mm. She was just always fighting to get everyone else to take it on as well. Um, and she's, yeah, a fascinating figure. So I got to go on stage at the National Concert Hall with some of my musical heroes and orchestra in front of a sold out room like and sing these songs that i never in a million years thought i would be singing it was it was outstanding yeah, yeah it was really really cool. is there ever any way people will be able to see this to hear this so the plan is to record an album um oh. emer always has something new and interesting up her sleeve but the the plan is to record an album and to bring the show to more venues and to other other countries and yeah uh write more music around it so the the first showing of it on women's day on march 8th was a kind of a showcase i suppose of a work in progress uh the orchestra had been handed music <laughs> like, that day um so uh yeah it was it, it was really really incredible but i think we have um we've given ourselves lots of room to grow with it and yeah. places we can we can take it so yeah i think people can expect reasonably to hear the pieces again um at some point so just yeah stay tuned yes um and you were saying there earlier you know you were going to thinking of going moving to uh new zealand at one stage i was yeah yeah did you ever make it over i didn't unfortunately no i've made it to south america to the states and lots of countries in Europe, but New Zealand I still haven't gotten to, so it's on the it's on the list. Okay. It was um at the time it was I was gonna move over there to, to live there. Um and yeah. I was gonna become a hairdresser and music was not on the cards. And I had a visa and I had the flights booked and everything and then just life took me back to Limerick and yeah, I just I just knew where I had to be. So yeah, yeah, sadly. I I've been there and I absolutely loved it. I would love to go yeah. back. I, I had spent, uh, you know, the bones of a year in Australia working and all that and traveling. But, um, oh. but it was, it, it, I don't know, I, I found myself really homesick a lot. Um, mm. And I, I wasn't enjoying it as much as I probably should have, you know. But one yeah. before we came home, I went to New Zealand for, um, for about a month, I think, traveling and that. And... I think it was just even landing in the plane, how green everything was and how lush everything was. It just kind of, it woke me up and I, I absolutely loved it now. I love New Zealand. had a great time. Yeah. It's so. meant to be, I mean, in terms of personalities and everything, the Irish and the Kiwis are quite similar. Yeah. In yeah. many ways. Yeah, you definitely get that vibe. Um, yeah. But I suppose out of everyone I've been chatting so far on, the, on this podcast, I think uh, you've you seem to have done a lot more traveling touring like with your music internationally and stuff um and how have you found that uh it was so exciting to begin with uh the first time i went on tour internationally in 2017 i was now it was a very unique opportunity in that it was with 16 other artists uh all around the same age as myself um and we were on tour in germany and switzerland for a month and it was it was just really exciting it was my first time ever getting a chance to tour in another country um and to be around that many other musicians that i just clicked with and really got on with and loved spending yeah. time with and like, i learned so much from all of them um but i suppose as uh, responsibilities have gotten bigger and i now am responsible for it like on that tour i was taken care of i was driven everywhere i just had to show up put on a nice dress and play the gig um whereas you know, nowadays it's a very, very different thing. I, I don't have a, you know, a tour manager or an agent or anything like that to look after that stuff. So it's all kind of on me, which um, takes a little bit of the joy out of it. I still love getting out to new venues and meeting new people and sharing, yeah. 
it's the it's the most bizarre experience having sat in my room and written something that comes from my heart and my mind and then going out on a stage in front of and a lot of the time my audiences are new con converts so like they're people who've never heard my music before and someone's dragged them along and standing there in front of this room of let's say 40 percent total strangers pouring my heart out to them and telling them about my innermost feelings about something is very strange yeah. oddly cathartic um but uh yeah i still i still kind of struggle with that i guess kind of that kind of dissonance um of, of dealing with that yeah and uh yeah i don't know i've i've found international touring to be incredibly difficult if you don't have someone looking after the logistics it's incredibly difficult and it's really hard to go out on stage every night and be excited and enthusiastic and full of energy and without kind of thinking about okay where do we have to be next we're, we're okay so after this now we have to drive on to the hotel and we can't really stay up too late now because we have to go up at seven o'clock in the morning because we have to get breakfast and get a shower and then get in the van and get to the next place and then what time is sound check tomorrow okay so we have to get to sound check you know it's like it, it's it's difficult so yeah. um you enjoy the moments when they come, but the the full stretch of touring can can be yeah hard, tiring. Yeah. You get homesick. Yeah, what you'd love to see and do, but you're still working as well. That's the thing as well. Yeah, you do as and you get attached to a place in the day you're there. You might get out and see something or find a really nice cafe or like someone in the audience that you really just click with, and you're like, oh, this is so great. I'd love we could like hang out and grab a coffee or something, and then. You're on to the next place the next day and cool dogs. You, almost, yeah, <laughs> you almost struggle to yeah like some places you stay they have dogs and it's like oh i want to hang out with the dog some more um so you're on to the next you place notice in, you're struggling to remember like yeah in, in like germany and austria this dogs are kind of in everywhere they are yeah there's a much uh, better dog friendly culture there like yeah, we stayed like, in a hotel in Stuttgart there on our last tour and they had a big Bernese mountain dog and a giant lab and the two of them just lounging in the foyer of the hotel and it's like yeah. you wouldn't get this at a hotel in Ireland you just wouldn't no. and even in, in like the shopping centres and things like that people are just walking around with their dogs and things and, yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah it, is, it is really cool and um, I, like, I remember staying at a friend's house when I was young up in Moline and he we were all sneaking out you know kind of like the kids in Stranger Things or something we were all meeting each other that night yeah. um, so I stayed in his house because he, he he had it easy to sneak out and we all snuck out and we were like you know we were teenagers but we didn't even once we got out we didn't know what we were supposed to do we were just kind of wandering <laughs> the streets and um, like this is before you'd even be like bush drinking or anything it was just literally yeah, yeah, yeah. Pure, pure innocence and we were wandering around and then we came across this like gang of dogs but they were all people's dogs oh they're just all but hanging you, out yeah they were just all hanging out they were like coming down the road all happy out and running but i suppose this was back before you know there would have been as much uh emphasis now on you know getting your dog um tagged and everything like that mm, and a lot yeah. of people back then just had dogs but like they wouldn't really walk them or anything you know yeah. the dog just kind of had its own separate life We'll come back for something to yeah. eat. But yeah, it always <laughs> it always it always uh, stuck with me in my head that night and just seeing this gang of dogs around. Like we even recognize some of them. Like you're like, oh that's that dog from where and they were all just like out having a run around about three in the morning. Okay, so um something from a personal point of view, uh with myself. Uh, just over a year ago, I was seeing a psychologist and um, she ended up, like after a few sessions, she diagnosed me with uh, PTSD and, but she had recommended to me that I should go get assessed for autism and okay. that I had shown signs of, um, you know, things like masking. I know then that you spoke about getting uh, adult adult autism diagnosis and yeah. um i was just wondering if you could talk a bit about that how, how and how it's been for you and how things have changed yeah of course um it's been a really interesting process for me of self-acceptance and self-awareness uh it's strange learning something about yourself that you've always known you just haven't had a word for it um so it wasn't like anything changed about me but 
I did become a lot more accepting of things about myself that I wouldn't have accepted before. And that meant that when I went into situations socially um, or in my career, that I knew how to have boundaries that I never really had before. And I knew how to be myself in a way that I hadn't allowed myself to before, which has been painful in parts, for sure. Um, But just because I suppose painful because I'm realizing how little I um, met my own needs for a very long time and accepted what my needs were for a very long time and how uncomfortable that made me uh, in those situations. So learning those things about myself has been really, really helpful and really healthy and valuable. Um, The process of actually getting, identifying um, autism um, was really nice. It was really nice. So the adult autism service that I went through, uh, it's, I don't know what they're calling themselves now. Maybe it's Psychology Ireland or Adult Psychology Ireland. As it was Adult Autism, okay. but I think they've changed their name. Um, and they were really helpful. So I started out talking to As I Am and they directed me to this other service who at the time were new. This was during the pandemic. It was 2021 when I began the process of even considering this. Um, and the reason I decided to go for it was I was doing a fundraiser with Fiekna Ogrenon, who has an autistic child. And while I was talking to Fiekna, I was looking up autism and how it manifests and how this service works and all this kind of stuff. And one of the offshoots of the site is how autism manifests in women. And I was looking through this checklist and my, I think my mom was there in the garden while I was doing this. And I was like, uh, mom, mom, can I just, just quick, can I just talk you through this list? Just, is anything here? <laughs> Bring just me or is, are things resonating here a lot? Um, and of course, as you know, as the parent of someone with autism or an autistic person, um, it can be quite hard to see the, the things as, you know, you know your own head better than anyone does. And you hope that everyone can see inside your mind, I guess, sometimes. Yeah. Um, certainly I did. I, I kind of, you know, spent a lot of my life hoping people could just look inside my brain and I wouldn't ever have to communicate things ever because words are hard. Um, says the songwriter. But uh, yeah, I, I was going through this list and there was stuff about like, like, so when I lost my voice when I was 12, a big part of what I was doing was throat clearing, compulsive throat clearing, which is actually causing friction on my vocal cords. And it turns out that's a very common autistic tick um, is throat clearing. Um, a lot of stuff I would have always done, like stimming is something I've always done. I remember te- texting my mom and being like, there's this thing I do with my fingers. I don't know if you do it as well. Do you do it as well? Like, I just need to feel pressure on my fingertips. So I just like, I need to touch every finger off my thumb like over and over again um, at different pressures and stuff. Or, you know, I was, I remember texting my mom this stuff before autism was ever on my mind or ever on the cards because there has been such a long standing stigma around it um, and around what it looks like and how it feels. So um, yeah, going through this list and realizing these things are all me. So I am all these things. So this is what I am. What? Hold on. What? So I went and did uh, the initial psychological evaluation um, which is just to eliminate any other possible things that might cause you to have these mannerisms. Um, there can be loads of kind of comorbidities that can that can bring about these mannerisms too. Um, you can mask for a number of reasons. You can stim for a number of reasons. So they, they want to eliminate all of those things before giving you this new label to frame your life with. Yeah. I did that and that was really helpful. And then you do three uh, follow-up sessions. I, this was all over Zoom. So I did an initial psychological evaluation and then three Zoom sessions that lasted just over an hour where they go through, they send you forms to fill out kind of um, quite complex, not complex, but um, in-depth questionnaire about your life. Uh, You can send, you can give one to your parents or anyone who knew you growing up and then you can give one to someone who knows you now to sort of offer their perspective on what they have seen in you and how you have behaved around them. And then the psychologist brings all of this data together and with this full picture and then with talking to you in person uh can kind of get a good sense of whether or not you are on the autistic spectrum um and it turned out i I am which was a strange one to accept 
and right. still i i'm trying as much as possible to talk about it in interviews and stuff because and and just to say it out loud with my mouth because it's very easy to kind of go cool awesome nice one uh, there's the email there saying i'm autistic and i can put that away and never talk about it again but i think it's important for people to know that it's not that it's as common as it is but that it looks like me mm. and that not everyone who is autistic looks the same or behaves the same or has the same challenges or not everyone is a savant not everyone is um unable to make eye contact um, yeah. Now, I will say I find eye contact difficult at times, but yeah. uh, it's it's a very intense experience for me. And if I make eye contact with someone, it's a conscious learned behavior as opposed to I, I only discovered during the pandemic. A lot of things I do as learned behaviors are natural, instinctive things to other people, yeah. which is fascinating to me. So, yeah. And you're yeah, you're you're doing those things because it. You, you you know that other people do it and it seems normal so you're yeah trying. a lot of those behaviors a lot of those masking behaviors are to put the other person at ease yeah very few of them are to put you at ease aside from you are not at ease if everyone else is not at ease so yeah. we kind of put ourselves into these awkward situations and do these things to make everyone else comfortable which i suppose you know people do but it's a bigger challenge i guess for an autistic person yeah and um, i really appreciate you talking about that thank you you're welcome um so i was hoping to talk to you about your podcast as well okay because uh the limerick lady podcast because um yeah i've never i've never uh really oh well, i did talk to one other guy who writes a podcast but i haven't talked to any other podcasters so uh yeah i was just hoping to get uh like how you started it and you know how you go about picking your guests and things like that yeah it's become a bit um sporadic and chaotic i would say it uh had had a really good structure there for a while um we bring it out once a month because that is what we can manage time wise uh in terms of because it's an hour-long podcast so it takes you know it takes energy and time to record um so it started out in 2016 as an event series so i was running the limerick lady that was uh, it started as a big gig under the name of the Limerick Lady and it was to celebrate and platform women in the arts. And uh, because I was seeing like a dearth of women visible on stages, we just weren't seeing them getting headline gigs and it was really frustrating me. So I decided I would put on a show, went to the milk market and thankfully I had a good relationship with them having played there a few times myself and they offered me the mezzanine space in there and uh, we put on a show there during a big food festival thing that was happening yeah. um so that was really cool i had like an outstanding lineup i think there was something like 39 women on that stage throughout the course of the night yeah. dancing reading poetry singing playing instruments whatever it was Anne blake was our mc for that show and Anne blake has been a kind of a guiding light for me from when i was a teenager she was always there in some regard she ran a, a yeah. theater company called impact that i I was part of a theatre group called Histrionics and we basically went to Impact and asked them for guidance on what we could do and they gave us a venue and they taught us how to put on a show. It was really cool. Um, so Anne has always been part of my life from when I was a teenager. That makes her sound really old and I like to take the piss out of her and call her really old. She's not that old. Um, but uh, yeah, so Anne and I would have kind of chats. I remember sitting down with her in Cobblestone Joe's and talking to her and I was talking about the Limerick Lady and she was like, so what do you want to do with it? You know, what's the what's the goal? Where are we going with this? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I just want to like platform women in the arts and try and get more opportunities for um, women in the arts and get, get a light shone on them because there's so many cool women that are doing cool things. And she was like, awesome. So like, would you call it a feminist movement? And I was like, I'm not really a feminist. Like, I don't really like that term. And she was like, okay and i was like yeah i just think i like it's just a bit like ugh, ugh, you know and she was like mm -hmm, yeah maybe um maybe go away and have a little think about that i'd say maybe and, and consider calling yourself a feminist because everything you stand for is feminism and i was like oh, yeah. oh what so uh we have we've developed from that point onward so i mean the gigs running the gigs when i'm trying to run my own gigs as well putting together gigs for other people just became unwieldy 
so I stopped doing that. We still do occasional live podcasts, but yeah. it's, the focus is the podcast. And it is a monthly conversation about gender, gender balance, visibility of women in the arts, um, and all the other irksome, stupid things that happen in our society on a monthly basis. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're we're kind of we're still growing and expanding and exploring new new ways to talk about that. Um, our guests range from activists to astronauts to artists. Like it's everything. Mm. We started off with artists and discovered that actually we really get a kick out of talking to people who know so much more about something we know nothing about. Yes. So that's been really, really fun. Did you have an astronaut yet? Yeah, we had um why can't I remember her name? I feel awful. Uh Nora Nora Patton. There it is. Thank you so much. Uh, I would forget my own mother's name, honestly, <laughs> if you asked me out of the blue, what's your mother's name? Ah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we've had a chance to talk to some really, really fascinating people just by merit of keeping an open mind and being excited to learn about stuff. Yeah. Um, and it really is a great way to recognize your own privilege in places um, and and to become a better person by talking to other people who know more than you. So that was, that was really cool. Yeah. You, and like you were saying there, the way the Limerick lady started and that you were platforming uh, women. And I've, as long as I've been following you, I've always found you're like an incredible advocate and you use your voice a lot um, for, you know, different causes. Um, the, like, does that ever get tiring for you or I, I find no. that you, you, you do kind of step out a lot more than most. Maybe I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like I don't see any point in having the platform I have if I'm not using it for that really. And I yeah. would find it all, I would get very, and I do, I get very sick of myself. I get very bored of myself when my career becomes about me and just about me. And it's why my band kind of, are such a big part of what I do it's not like yeah I, I I like as much as possible to have them involved in the process and involved in the socials and be as visible as I am because I just yeah I just get sick of myself like mm -hmm. and then there are certain causes that I really care about and I just feel like yeah I've got this platform this is a total privilege for me to have this platform I'm going to use it to shout about things I care about and yeah. make this world a place I want to work in I remember so. like seeing this article on online one night it was like hot press were doing a series of interviews with different artists and people about their experiences of racism in ireland mm. and one of the articles like it was a girl and she was basically discussing do you know um and even like denise choyla addressed this as well herself um but you know the kind of where are you from where are you really from yeah and straight away like in the comment section you know everyone was just fucking freaking out and everything and then there was one guy who i didn't really i knew he was someone at the time i just didn't know who he was but like he's a very prominent irish musician and he kind of you know mansplained the whole thing about how that's not racist and from his own experience and totally negated this woman's experience and yeah because of who he was he just got like all these people like nodding in a green going oh my God, spot on, you've nailed it there, like, and everything. Yeah. And I remember scrolling down, and I was like, oh, and, you know, I was like, I'd really like to say something now, but I just couldn't articulate anything rather than, you know, I'll fight you down at the fountain or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what, to, and then I saw that you came in and, like, summed up everything perfectly, but you put your head up there above, and, like, a lot of people then started coming at you, but I was just like, I don't know. I just really admired it and I thought fair play it should like. I feel like it's important to pick your battles with these things, you know? Um, but sometimes there's stuff that's, especially when someone has um, a platform like that and has and is going to um, enable that kind of toxic thinking, it's important to put your neck on the line because you know, there's there's people who are constantly berated and get abused online and, and get attacked like this and get talked down and steamrolled. Yeah. And we really don't, we, we can't just sit back 
and expect them to fight their own battle all the time because they're tired like there's so it's every day for them yeah so it's important when we can when we can and when we have a position to do it in a way that is i think um level and reasonable and meeting the other person as a human being it's not a shouting match it's meeting the other person as a human being and kind of going look here's what's going on here's how you need to address your perspective here's the issue and and here's why your opinion is not more important than this person's lived experience mm. um but it, it is scary to make that choice yeah. sometimes yeah uh, but we have to we have to do the hard thing sometimes you know and if all else fails you can fight him down at the fountain well this is it yeah box ahead of him <laughs> yeah i don't know where this fountain is either that i've come up with but <laughs> We'll find the fountain, we'll fight there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I a few questions there on Instagram cool. uh, that came in from, okay, I wrote them down, but the people who know themselves who asked. So someone said, what would you recommend for a person visiting Limerick for the first time? Like a, a day in Limerick. Ooh. Um, okay, so what would I recommend? So now we have the really cool new rugby experience, which I really think people should check out because it's beautiful. But also their gift shop is a cracker. It's such yeah. a good gift shop and I love a good gift shop. <laughs> it's really good because they're stocking loads of really beautiful um, artwork and crafts by local artists. And oh. you can get them every day of the week where we've got some really, really, if you're coming on the weekend, if you're coming on a Saturday, get into the Wickham Way Market, get yourself a few bits and pieces in there. Uh, grab like a sushi bowl they do vegan stuff it's delicious um and a coffee and like just stroll around inside there it's really cute head down to the milk market it's it's gorgeous and the buzz there is brilliant go to the park get into the art gallery there's always like a really fun like massive interactive pieces happening in the art gallery which is really cool even if you're not that into art art like traditional art they always have new and emerging artists in there um, and the Hunt Museum as well has some really beautiful, really ancient pieces of uh, like artifacts and stuff, which is deadly. I think they still have a Picasso in there, actually. Um, and check out the Hunt Museum garden. Do the Three Bridges walk. Um, get coffee from all the good places in Limerick. Fika, Rift, uh, Habit, uh, Cloud9. Just get loads of coffee. Do a coffee crawl. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, around, I think around three four o'clock maybe crew opens so go to crew yeah. get a beer it's one of limerick's finest uh micro breweries and you can only get their beer in the brewery you can't get it elsewhere so yeah i think they, well it last summer maybe it may be since summer i used to like on a saturday bring my boys in to get pokemon cards in the wickham way yeah and go there and then when they went to check out their cards i'd stop a crew and have a beer but it was yeah. all fairly early in the morning so they had earlier opening hours then yeah they've they've had to um kind of change their hours just based on okay. footfall i guess so um get in there then take a mooch down to mother max if you're into your whiskey get a whiskey or one of the finest guinnesses in the city um go on down to treaty city brewing mm. uh, on nicholas street you don't have to get a beer in all these places you can just well, i mean you should but um, you're all copied and beer out of it coffee and beer for days yeah. Uh, but they're all beautiful places to pop into. And you can regardless. check out all the murals on the way. All the murals, yeah. Do them. Do the mural walk. I don't know if there's an actual guide online to. I think there is. I think Limerick.ie has like a mural walk mural tour that you can you can do. Oh, and also, um, there's a Women of Limerick walking tour app that you can get, oh. and it'll show you around. You can get this app, and it'll bring you to different parts of Limerick that um, iconic women lived, worked were born different things like that and there are some really fascinating women in our history that are worth checking out that was created by sharon slater with ormston house who are a an arts and creative hub in limerick um and yeah there's i mean just stroll around nicholas street and that kind of quarter take in the wild geese museum um which is fascinating it's open now in the summer months um and you can check out St. Munchen's Church, which is really interesting because there's the Curse of St. Munchen, which is all about how if you're from Limerick, you cannot succeed in Limerick because there's this whole... Look up the Curse of St. Munchen and go and look at the church and the, the Freemasons Lodge and the Bishop's Palace there. They're all beautiful. 
and then you're back kind of by the castle and in this beautiful place in town where you can check the sunset and then you get more beer. Watch, this, watch the scramblers as the sun goes down. Watch the scramblers. Uh, you can then head to the bell table and see a show or go to Dolan's and see a gig or pop out to the Lime Tree Theatre and go to a gig. Like there's loads of really, really cool uh, things that, and that's just the city. Like before, that's, even that's going to sound like, county, like it's going to sound like we pre-planned that, but we genuinely didn't. Emma just did an amazing summary of a day in Limerick. <laughs> yeah, um, you can also we have a really really cool water sports um, facility in Limerick, uh, just there behind the Hunt Museum. You can go canoeing and kayaking, um, so you could do like a river tour of the city if you wanted to as well. If you were a bit more active, uh, and there's tons to do out in the county as well, like. So yeah, there's there's no shortage of stuff to do in Limerick if you are happy to have a little walk around and just kind of see what you see a little bit. There's a, a bit of that in Limerick, like you never know what's going to be cropping up where. We have this brilliant company in Limerick called Lumen who build these giant like models and floats and stuff. And every now and then they'll just have like a parade and stuff, which is very yeah. cool. So, you know. The, yeah, the Halloween one was amazing, actually. Beautiful. It was yeah. really, really gorgeous. I just wish it was longer. I wish it had gone yeah. on for longer because people heard about it and they were like, oh, shit, I missed it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I, you know, I'd love to see them get a bit more support in terms of promotion and advertising because yes. people deserve to know about this stuff. And, and there's also a tour that I've heard of people doing lately, whereas you go on the Dogs of Limerick Instagram page and then you go around <laughs> the city and mark off the dogs. You see if you can find them. <laughs> Please know? do not go stalking the dogs. <laughs> um, yeah. So next one here is, are you still at, at playing? music? No, no. Are you still at, <laughs> are you still at the old guitar playing? I am by God I am I, I so yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure you had the caption just don't ask her and she's still at the music and someone found a way of circumventing that yeah I'm almost sure that that was um 40 hertz 40 hertz 40 hertz I don't think I know who that is he's a producer oh okay cool yeah he's a producer with all the rapper guys ah yeah. oh, okay is it um Owen I don't know who that is Owen? Mm. Real name Owen? No. High 40 hertz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm almost positive that was his question. Okay. Um, so this one is from um, my children. Hmm. So they always ask me a question to ask. They want to know what's your favorite breed of dog? Oh, wow. That's a really tough one. Um, Let's hope Willow's not listening. I don't think I could pick a favorite. I have a number of dogs that I I really love. I love just an indistinguishable mongrel, like a, like a wire-haired little fella that looks like if you asked a child to draw a dog, they would just yeah. draw that dog. I've always loved beagles. Just, I don't know, they're like a cartoon dog for me just because of Snoopy and like, um, just like a beagle. I love a beagle. Um... Oh, it's so hard. Like, collies are so beautiful and intelligent, but then I love how lurchers are, like, super lazy and chill. Um, a Bernese mountain dog, you know, you inevitably will melt if you see a Bernese or any sort of variation on that big, floofy, sort of gormless, beautiful yeah. dog that's just a big puddle-cuddle. Uh, bull mastiffs are absolute sweethearts and are underrated and misunderstood, and I love them for that. Um. Yeah, I I really I I love different things about all kinds of dogs. I really couldn't I couldn't pick one that I love the most. Yeah, I really couldn't. It'd be it would be unfair to the other breeds to pick one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There has been a lot of dog talk in this episode. I must. Oh, it was inevitable. <laughs> it was always going to happen. Um, have you a desert island disc? As in a CD, an album that I would bring with an me album. Yeah. I look. Um, oh, there's a couple now. Yeah, I was going to say, pick a few. See, there's the ones that I I know I would love to, like Avril Lavigne's um, "Losing Grip." Such a great album. 
or Let Go. Um, such a great album. Uh, there's Evanescence first album there's white stripes there's the ones that i had that i played on repeat when i was a teenager when i got mm. them first and i love those then there's Hades Town, which is a concept uh folk opera written by n.a.s mitchell and i adore that entire album i just i think it's a work of genius and it very rightly won oh it won some massive award there uh last year um for its stage show and it's uh, the story of Orpheus and Eurydice going down to hell and told through folk songs. Um, so, you know, a combination of like Greek mythology and folk music and harmonies and loads of brilliant voices. It has Andy yeah. DeFranco on it. It has Bonnie Vare on it. It's got Greg Bear. It's it's just an outstanding cast. So that one I love. I'm Orla Gartland's Woman on the Internet is one that I could listen to start to finish over and over again a million times. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Yeah, again, I I would struggle to pick to pick one album. But those are ones I've listened to start to finish many times. So I guess those. Okay, good choices. Um, the coolest place you've played a gig. Um, coolest place I've played a gig. I don't know. I can't. I like. There's some really beautiful, quirky places I've played gigs. Really incredible churches, like where the acoustic is just outstanding, and there's a reverence to the gig before you ever sing a note because of the space you're in. Um, those are always gorgeous. Um. I think I don't I really I couldn't say I'd have to go back and look through all of the gigs I've ever played there's so many I've forgotten happened and then I see these photos and I'm like oh my god I can't believe I was there yeah um so it's quite yeah it's quite hard to pick one that is the, the coolest as well the word cool always confuses me because I don't I don't know her <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't Cool is not a word I think I associate with myself or anything I do. So, yeah. uh, the quirkiest places I've played gigs have uh, yeah. been uh, like house concerts. I love house concerts. Just okay. going into someone's gaff and they've invited 50 of their friends to come and listen to this musician they love. And everyone brings their own booze and you just, you feel like you're just hanging out with someone and their pals and you happen to be being paid to be there. <laughs> Yeah. and you're just singing no, your song good. it's cool it is that's fun that's always a fun environment to be in yeah um, and i guess going to liverpool it wasn't a gig traditionally but i went to liverpool and i played at the cavern and uh that was cool because i yeah. grew up with the beatles and yeah to be to be in this space that they would have played one of their first gigs was was pretty nifty yeah that's class um i worked with a guy years ago um Nino was his name. He was an Australian. But this is here in Limerick. Like, it wasn't when I was in Australia. Nino. Um, and we all just called him Nino Spoof. Uh, he just couldn't help himself. But one of the lads one time was talking about how much he loved Pink Floyd and all this. And <laughs> Nino said, oh, I saw him live. And he's like, really? And he goes, yeah, yeah, on top of air is rock, mate. <laughs> and you're like, man, do you know, why are you going to that extreme with your... Yeah. And like my my friend was like, they've never played Air's Rock. I know that for a fact. My friend literally has a tattoo on his arm of it's like some Coliseum that they played in Rome before or something. Do you know it's this iconic concert and he has it and he was like yeah. freaking out going, They never played Air Rock and he's like, Oh yeah, mate, I saw him. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Love it. Well, I was kind of hoping you'd say Air's Rock. <laughs> um, so this is from my wife so you know she's Austrian right and Emma actually played a gig in Austria that my wife's parents were at hmm. yeah and her brother I think went as well so she said you've had Spatzel yeah I have yeah but have you had Casa Spatzel yes of course I have Casa <laughs> uh, Spätzle is one of yeah. my favorite foods of all time. Casa Spätzle. Yeah. Um, it is for anyone listening who doesn't know what Spätzle is. It's this delicious kind of really stodgy pasta type thing that 
is really not a good idea to eat right before playing a show. I learned that the hard way because you're standing there on stage trying to have energy, but all you want to do is take a nap because it is, oh, it's the perfect winter food. It's so filling and so like just wholesome and just so good. Yes, Kaiserspätzle is delicious. Okay. Okay. You've you've done it all. So, um, <laughs> so that is... That is that. Is there anything that you would like to promote or shout out or anything like that? Um, not really, no. I'm about to get some beautiful new tote bags and stickers. Uh, I've just ordered gorgeous. Uh, the tote bags are designed by Kiriuk. They're the artwork from my single Abigail. And the stickers are the artwork for... So um, a friend of mine, Bea van der Zweig, created this gorgeous artwork for Birdsong just as a collaborative effort yeah. and uh, I have created stickers of the lungs that she included in her artwork um, for like kind of the Birdsong 2023 promotional merch so a couple of bits coming to the old Bandcamp store in that regard um, that's about it really at the moment I'm going to be playing a festival in June that I think everyone should go to because it's going to be really gorgeous it's called Night and Day and it's on in Roscommon and I went to it last year. I was an MC on one of the stages last year. And I also, I was going to attend it anyway, because the lineup was fantastic. Um, and it was so much fun and it was so beautifully run. And the lineup is really gender balanced and representative and interesting. And it's not drawing on the usual 10 bands that play every single festival in Ireland every year who are all great, but my God, festivals get creative, please. Yeah. Um, so this this festival is really well run and proper family friendly as well. Like they have a yeah. they had a gorgeous children. I went and hung out in the children's area yeah. last year because it was so nice and chill and like it face painting. And When's this in June? Is it in June? June twenty fourth and twenty fifth. Yeah, night okay. and day fest. Really, really cool. So we're headlining. I'm going to check this out. It's going to be cool because Wallace Bird is on it as well. You got David Keenan. Um, I think the Hot House Flowers are playing it. Um. Oh God, I can't remember who else, but the, the lineup is is quirky and interesting and ticks loads of boxes. I've never been to Roscommon. So this is on in Lockheed Park, which is a gorgeous, it's a, it's an island sort of. It's got a lake and they you can do like zip lining and kayaking and stuff at the festival as well, which is really yeah. cool. So if you're <laughs> if you're not into music. <laughs> yeah, just go have an adventure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, bit... that's kind of it really. The best, um, I think the best merch I ever got was yours. It was um, a high vis jacket for dogs, mm. and my I dog. Do more doggy merch. Yeah, my dog Hugo used to wear it all the time. So, um, you remember Hugo because I, I I bombarded the dogs a limerick page with him, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he used to wear that proudly walking the roads Aww. in the evening, and uh, yeah, it, that was class class merch. Yeah, I really um, love it. So look, we finished talking about a dog again. That's a good place to leave it. <laughs> I think on this so, yeah. special dog cast. Um, <laughs> thanks a million for doing this. And um I really appreciate you giving me the time. No, of course. Thanks for giving a chance to artists to talk about stuff. It's cool. Oh yeah. Thanks for that. I love it. I love doing it. And um sure look, I'll see you soon. Nice one. All right.